0: ABC Podcasts.
1: Hi, it's Elizabeth here. We are hard at work on the new season of Days Like These, which we cannot wait to share with you. It will be ready on May 25th. In the meantime, we wanted to bring you a special bonus episode. It's reported by Michelle Ransom Hughes. She's a friend of the show, and today she takes you behind the scenes of one of the most widely shared phone numbers in the country. 131114. That's the number for Lifeline. And today, we meet the people who volunteer to support those going through the darkest times of their lives. A warning, they will be talking about suicide. Here it is.
2: In a city not far from here, in a nondescript office building, is a call centre. It's a bit of a rabbit warren, this place, with room after room tucked away off the narrow hallways. And the people who work there love it.
0: It's this huge, positive, loving family sort of environment. So you always feel comfortable arriving to a shift, even if, for whatever reason, you may feel a little bit anxious about the calls that are are coming up. You know that you're always going to be supported.
2: It runs on a 24-hour roster. So if you could look in, right now, you'd see people there.
3: We usually get into our little um, confidential space. It's
0: just like a, a typical phone booth that you you might imagine. You've got a screen, um, a a phone and a a headset and uh, yeah you put your headphones on and then you click the ready button and you get ready for the first call and it might be the second you press that button that someone comes through.
3: I'm immediately wanting to answer that call, pick up that phone because someone there wants to be heard. There's often that
4: nervous anticipation about what is this call going to be about. But as soon as you answer that call, everything just settles and, you know, we're just talking to another person, another human being. Hello, this this is Lifeline.
3: Lifeline. May we help you? you?
4: Lifeline's crisis supporters
2: turn up to every shift knowing that today is somebody's worst possible day. And it's their hope that person will put their faith in this space of refuge Today we meet some of the people who answer those calls. But a heads up, you're not going to hear their names. And that's because in these exchanges, names mostly aren't used. Calls are confidential. And that anonymity, it's like a golden thread that connects a person in trouble with someone trained to listen.
3: it's anonymous. No one's there to judge. There is no agenda. It's about having a conversation and knowing that, you know, you can say anything.
4: Our role on the phone is to provide support just at this moment in time to help them get through this crisis. Often people will say, oh, that's not a crisis. But a crisis to me may be very different to a crisis to you. Could be relationship breakups. Someone who might be just struggling, you know, with with life and finances. Loneliness, you know, the number of people who are just lonely and who perhaps have nobody to talk to. I guess we try to listen to the level of distress a person may be feeling. We try to connect with a person by showing, you know, allowing them to hear Compassion
0: for me finding the the right tone to communicate with people and that makes them feel safe and and heard is a matter of just being comfortable and feeling as though i 'm i 'm there for them and if you keep that steady, mellow sort of voice depending on the person and the situation, it can really help them feel feel comforted and that 's probably the first step in allowing. Uh, someone to feel connected to.
3: Hello, Um, this this is Lifeline. Lifeline. May May we we help help you? you?
2: Do you sometimes hear silence on the other end of the phone? Sometimes that can happen. And so
4: we might just say, hello, I'm here to listen. Is everything okay? Can you just, you know, just give me a ha-ha, just give me something to let me know that you're there or whatever it is, or we can wait.
3: Yeah. You might be able to hear just a little bit of noise in the background. You know, you might be able to hear someone breathing. We just let them know that we're still here, can hear that, you know, you need a little bit of time and that, you know, this is really hard. But I'm here and I'm waiting for you. There is no hurry.
4: How long might you wait for someone? It might make it a couple of minutes for somebody. Hmm depends what's happening for them and if they've given you some indication somehow or other.
0: And then if that keeps progressing as and we get like one, two to five minutes into a call, I may say something like, can you tell me about three things that are they're in the room around you?
2: This is a way of grounding the caller, bringing them back to the present moment and to the person who's listening. And it can
0: give you clues about what's happening in that person's... Life right now that they may actually be calling about
4: most times we don't need to know where a person is unless there's safety issues there for that person so particularly if a person was having thoughts of suicide or in danger you know if it was domestic and family violence if there was child protection issues we would ask would they be able to tell us where they are Sometimes people will, sometimes they won't, and we will just work with that. The first thing is you need to listen to their dark side of their story, to listen to their distress, to listen to their pain. We often want to jump to fix it when we actually need to stay and listen. You know, people will ring because they feel bad. They need to be able to talk about that. And eventually, as you're listening to their story, you might begin to hear some strengths, that they have and you can discuss that with them later on throughout the court so that that person can then be reminded of some of those lovely qualities they have that may help them get them through this moment.
3: When you're struggling and you're in a crisis situation, quite often what happens is you can't really think straight
0: they may not be talking about the the core issue and that could be for a number of reasons. Sometimes it might be
4: that there's some shame there. These days I think there's a lot more openness and there's a lot more, um, perhaps, perhaps there's willingness to say it's okay to talk about things, even though there's still people that go, no, I wouldn't talk to anybody about anything. I guess because particularly for the older generation, there's that stoicness, you know, you think of, the older farmers or um, you know <laughs> they've got to be able to manage on their own they should be able to do this sort of thing so much harder to reach out and ask for help so it's really important when you're talking to a person that you can try and help them to feel valued and accepted no matter what and that it's okay Nothing, nothing is too hard to talk about
3: Hello this is Lifeline how may we help you? It's okay, take your time, I'm here for you.
0: If you listen with empathy and you listen hard enough and you can find these parts that people really want to talk about but don't want to bring up initially, you hear it in their voice. It could go, yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Because I just didn't have it in me to to
4: say it right now. In all of our calls We like to ask about um, a person's suicidality. Um, Are they thinking of ending their life? Are they thinking of killing themselves? We will ask that and we'll establish that with the person in every call. We like to in every call. If, like, Australia's vision is an Australia free of suicide. So if we're going to be able to work at that, how are we going to know unless we're open to say, you know what, we've got broad shoulders, we can talk about this, because often it's a taboo subject, but if we can open up that conversation, when you're hearing the, the pain of a, that a person is going through, we want to make sure that they're safe still. Of course, not everybody's fe- feeling suicidal and we want to be sensitive about how we ask that.
2: How do you ask?
4: Given everything that you've just been going through, all the tough times that you've been experiencing and the feelings that you've just shared, I'm just wondering, are you thinking about suicide? It can be just a simple question to ask. What if the answer's yes? Then we need to talk about it. Let's talk about it. What's happening that's making you think of ending your life? Often
2: if someone, well, if someone is in that place, there are no cracks for light to come in. How do you help
4: in that circumstance? It's the same thing, really. Really if we can listen to somebody, what's happening for them and just allowing them to talk about their story and in hearing that maybe we can hear some hope somewhere along that way. If somebody phones and they've been thinking of suicide, that actually says to me that maybe there's that little element of doubt there that um, there might be something there that that person is not quite certain about and it's worth having a talk about and, you know, let's try and work something out with this person.
0: You can have people that will become so furious with you and and hang up with you for being so outright about asking that question. And for other people, it is this sense of relief that they've got someone who's comfortable to speak about this topic. It It's a bit of a burden in some ways to, for people to to bring up suicide and to, and to lean on others. And for some people coming to Lifeline, maybe the first time they've ever been able to feel comfortable with having this conversation and we can help them almost normalize it, not to a way where it seems healthy, of course, but where we sort of look at what they're experiencing and and can say, like, you're experiencing all of this pressure in your life, all of this loss, and, and now you feel as though suicide is your only option. And a lot of the time people are like, that's exactly how I feel. And... They may have never been in that situation before in their life and for a lot of people uh, who go to suicide and don't end up doing it, they are often grateful for that in that it's a place that's really hard to pull yourself out of when you're in that deep, that that seems like the only option that you have. Um, Yeah.
2: What would you say to someone who thinks that a stranger can't possibly understand their pain.
0: I would say to some degree that's true. You can almost never fully appreciate the way that someone else might be feeling, but you can sit there with them in it to a degree, and if you can't even do that, then you can make that person feel heard. And that's the next best thing, to be able to sit there with them. Some people just need to be able to speak knowing that someone is on the other end of that line. Even if they don't want someone on the other end of the line to say anything, they just want to have that platform where they know another human being is listening without judgment.
3: You know, you don't know that person. You're never likely to come in contact with them again. Um, So you can basically talk about anything. You know that you're on the level of human beings. You're on that level and so connected that this is just another human being who's walking this journey in this world along with you. We're here together.
4: There's usually something there that a person has that perhaps they can grab onto If not, sometimes just helping them find the supports that they need in life. When you go through tough times, we all need somebody. Not everyone has somebody. No, they don't. But there's some wonderful services in the community. That can be really hard for a person. Just reaching out to Lifeline to start with can take a lot of courage and bravery to reach out and say, hey, I just want someone to talk to. And I think that's the first step for somebody. And just sometimes it just takes baby steps.
3: You're so focused in that call with that person, it's almost like you're next to each Hello, other. This is Lifeline. Sometimes, you know, you can be 15? talking, you know, 50 minutes. You can be talking an hour um, and it just passes really quickly.
2: Hello, this is Lifeline.
4: It's okay,
2: take your time, I'm
3: here for you. You know, you no sooner finish one call and you're starting almost on the other one straight away. So, yeah, it's busy.
0: It's fairly incredible how often you'll end up laughing at some stage throughout that call with them. Maybe they'll bring out something that is quite dark humour. Maybe it isn't appropriate to laugh, even if they are laughing. But then there are other times where um, they'll have transition from this quite dark space and they'll have mentioned something or you'll have mentioned something which leads to both of you cracking up it's this it's this incredible moment because you both know the situation and yet you've found this this common ground and this this humor in this really dark place together and again it's another way to to really be there and, and sit with them in it. And there are these connections that I feel from my time spent in defense when perhaps you find humour in the, those crevices where it shouldn't be super easy to find humour and it helps you through those times.
2: The shifts are three hours long. Most people take one or two shifts a week. And apart from the supervisors, they're all volunteers. Unpaid. They train for a hundred
3: hours before they're ready to take their first call. To begin with, it's quite confronting and you're sort of unsure. and of course you're, you know you're a little bit um, concerned that you know you, you uh, want to be that person that can be that light. So you've, you've got that underneath where you want to feel that you can be that light for that person at that moment. And what's it like to listen to a stranger crying? Well, it is upsetting to hear someone cry, but at the same time you know they're in pain Um, and it's just like your family member. If someone comes to you and they're crying, you let them have the space to have that situation and feel what it is for them that they're struggling with so that they can make sense of it.
4: And just allow them to have that cry till they're ready to start talking.
3: That's okay. And it might trigger a tear for you too, you know. That's just what what it is when we're humans.
4: That could be any one of us at any moment in time.
3: A lot of people
4: don't allow themselves or haven't been allowed to cry in their mm. lives. Mm. I think you're right. Sometimes people feel guilty about crying, that they shouldn't be crying. Depends perhaps what their background has been. Um, I like to think we have tears for a reason. <laughs> If we weren't meant to cry, we wouldn't have tears, would we? So I figure I figure it's okay.
2: <laughs> Some volunteers, but not all, have had suicide in their friendship group or their family, and to do this work, they learn to stay present.
0: Yeah, so for me, if I get a call and it's either a child worried about their parents suiciding or it is a, a, a mother who is either suiciding in progress or uh, really heavily considering suicide, I definitely feel this trigger, although for me it, it's not as significant as what you might think and it's not as significant as what I thought it might be, but it, it's still there and I I am very conscious of how I could respond to it. So as soon as there are words said that runs in line with my, my own mum suiciding, I I just become very conscious of what may be happening for me in that moment. You're sitting there, you're, you're sitting in their pain and their sense of loss or whatever it might be in that moment for that person in need, whilst also sort of running a scan through your own body and being like, am I tense right now? Someone is relying on you in that moment. It very quickly can d- decline into you not being present and there for a, a caller, and naturally if you aren't checked in, you're going to lose that connection, and uh, it's a bad way to frame it, but maybe you, you fail in that particular call. I suppose I wanted to to be there for other people in those instances, and say if a different parent were to call Lifeline and I could be the one that's there to support them through that time, uh, that just, it seemed like a really beautiful and powerful thing given my past.
4: Um, we do have a duty of care to report things where there's child protection matters or where there's crime. Would you still continue to support that person? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and it, And I suppose it depends what that crime is about. Is it something that's about to be committed? Is it something that somebody has done many years ago and that's been all dealt with? But everybody is, I guess, worthy of our time. You know, somebody who has perhaps lost their way and is going down the wrong path, perhaps it's a good idea to be able to talk about those things and... We often talk about showing unconditional positive regard. And I love that. It's about valuing each person for who they are, accepting them no matter what their situation, no matter what their beliefs it can be very different from ours, but we accept them in a very non judgmental way. But we also believe that every person has some strengths. And sometimes we just miss those things. And if we can be there to show that unconditional positive regard for a person, um, that can be a powerful thing, you know. So we're just that little inner voice for them because often people will know what they really want. They just need a way to unpack that. And you can hear in a person's voice when there's a change It may just be that they've just, you know, let you know that they're feeling a bit better about themselves.
3: You can see that there's that that heaviness is definitely lifting, or or you feel it.
4: When
0: someone mentions something that brings their life meaning or something that gives them hope, it may genuinely be like this this first breath of fresh air almost.
3: And you can feel the sense of the, the person's spirit where, you know, they they can feel a little freer about their talking. They might reframe the situation and find that there's a funnier side and actually feel relief. That must be a good
2: feeling for you.
3: Oh, absolutely. Is it just That's as simple as take care? or Ending a call?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah something as simple as, as take care of yourself or...
3: Might go something like, I'm hoping today that, you know, um, what we've spoken about's been helpful and...
0: If you ever need to reach out again, we're always here for you.
3: Um I'd like to thank you for ringing and it's been you know a very courageous thing to do and um hoping all goes well
0: and something like that is usually enough to close off a call in a connecting way.
3: If there's a situation where it's uh, a call isn't coming to an end in a, in a way where you feel comfortable, we we say to our callers, you know, at the moment that you need us, we're still here. Please ring back.
0: Ideally, we want to help people, and we all dream of going through every call that is really serious around the topic of suicide and bringing someone out on the other end and they're happy, but it's just not realistic. You may have a, a call where someone is
4: suicidal and you, you can't help them. When that call finishes... That finishes, and we don't necessarily know. We hope that we have done our part, played our part the best that we can, so that it can help this person get through that moment and get the help that they need. Um, but we don't always we don't know what happens to a person once we hang up from that call, and that's something that you have to reconcile with yourself i think to go it's okay to not know because if we come from that strength based approach that this person makes the choices in their life it's their life not mine and that's okay hmm.
1: It's such an
2: ephemeral and sort of almost, you know, magical kind of thing, isn't it? It's just two voices, two Mm. minds connecting Mm. from anywhere in Australia Mm. to this Mm. little office (laughs) call centre. I
4: know. It's amazing, isn't it, that um, just in such a space like that that you could actually change the direction of someone's life. You know, just by listening, the power of listening can really draw those insights out, um, draw things out of a person that they may not have thought of at that time and give them the ability to go, actually, I can do this. Hello,
2: Hello, this this is is Lifeline. Lifeline. How How may may we help you? you?
3: The first thing I'm thinking when that rings is pick up that phone. Because someone there wants to be heard.
2: If you need to talk, there's always someone who can listen. Call Lifeline 13 11 14.
1: Today's story was reported by Michelle Ransom Hughes, engineering by Matthew Crawford. The supervising producer was Miyuki Yokiranta. Days like these will be back with a new season on May 25th. We can't wait to share what we've been working on. I'm Elizabeth Coolass. See you then.